0: So I know that uh, during these days, it might be tempting to, you know, wonder as a why why do we have to go through all this crazy stuff, right? You know, with uh, the virus and all these uh, crazy things going on in our cities, you know, people destroying things and killing people and people co-opting, you know, the crisis for their own, let's say, political or social advantage, whatever it might be. We look at all that and say, well, why do we have to do this? And we, you know, we can't even go to school, you know. We have to, you know, our, all our world is sort of upended, and we wonder about it, and so do I. And uh, we just wish we could kind of go back to that time, that place where we're in a little bubble, and life was manageable, and we had it under control, and... We knew what was coming down the road and we could, we could adjust for it, and anticipate it, and prepare. And, and now it's, uh, well, boy, all the rules have changed. And you know, did you ever catch yourself thinking that that way? That, gosh, I just wish we could go back to normal. Right? I do. I'm just out there after the last mass talking with the family. It's, you know, they want to put their kids in school because, you know, we're going, we have full time, right? But we also have a virtual option, and, and they want their kids in school. The kids need to be in school, right? It's good. You know, it's not good for them not to be in school. And uh, but yeah, we're both talking. It's like, yeah, I have no idea. Governor could hold a press conference like that tomorrow, and it's and even then, if it's open, do they send them because they worry? Lots of things. So you know, I remember. Uh, you know, I was when I had just graduated my, uh, college, and I was working downtown. I had an apartment down there; it was awesome. And I was working at the Mercantile Exchange, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a job that I didn't particularly like. Uh, but it was interesting; it was exciting. And I, but I just knew my heart wasn't in it. And, but I remember it, Sunday nights were always a tough time for me, because um, the weekend was over, and I had to go back to work the next day. I'm an adult man, right? Back then, it was like. 24, 25, and I would call up my folks to catch up on what was going on, and, and we'd be talking, and I'd say, "Gosh, I just don't want to go to work tomorrow." Say this to my mom or my dad, and I'm thinking, "Well, maybe they'll just tell me I don't have to go to work. They'll write me a note. <laughs> I don't have to go to work." <laughs> you know, it's in the back of my mind. You know, why you know, I was calling them because I needed some, I needed something to help me. Get through this, because I was just—I would be all angsty about stuff, and and they wouldn't—they just say, "Hey, put on your big boy pants. You're an adult. Get to work. This is it. Go." And we'll we'll talk to you, and we'll we'll empathize with you, and you know, we'll give you some advice, and we'll you know we'll give you the love that you need, the support, but not to not to do what you want, but to go and do what you need to do. Now here's the thing: not to do what you want, but to do what you need to do, brothers and sisters. We get caught in this little world of ours where we think it's all safe and manageable and controlled, and all of a sudden we're thrown out of the boat, and we don't know what's going on, and we feel like everything's out of control, and why is this happening? And Lord, could you just make it all better so I can go back to the way it was? No. That's not how, that's not how the world works, and we all know it. This is, this is our life. Look at, look at Elijah. He's got it made. He's just like prophet. And he's, the, he's, he's awesome. And, uh, you know, he's, he's preaching the word of the Lord. And, and then he gets into this thing where he has this context with the prophets of the god Baal, like 400 of them, however many it was. And he beats them. And the prize was he gets to, he gets to kill them. So he takes them down to, the, down to the river and he slits their throats. And then, you know, the queen Jezebel you know, the government is upset about this. So they, they send, they go after him. So he takes off, goes out in the desert, ends up the Mount Horeb, and hides in a cave. And he's saying, I, you know, I did everything I'm supposed to be doing, and Lord, I've been zealous for your house. I've done everything you've asked me to do. And now, they kill your priest, they tear down your altars, and now they're trying to kill me. What, what gives? I didn't sign up for this. I just was gonna preach, and now I'm going to, Now they're trying to kill me. And that's when this awesome. Guy, and this is where this is today with with in Kings, where he is in the cave hiding, and all of a sudden there's this earthquake, and this fire, and there's wind. And God is not any of those things. And then he hears this little whisper. And then he's all of a sudden he's convicted. He comes to the mouth of the cave, and he's and he's in, in his conviction. He can still say the same things. The world is still crazy and messed up, and, and you know the government's after him and trying to shut him down, and 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 cities are you know being vandalized, and you know people's livelihoods are being destroyed, and policemen are getting killed. It's still the same world out there. But he comes to the mouth of the cave. Same words, Lord, I'm zealous for your house, but now it's different. He's, they have torn down your altars, they have killed your priests, and now they seek your life. You tell me what to do, and I'm in, I'm going. That's what, the, that's what that whisper does. That's what the Lord has always given to us. He's always there whispering. He's always there encouraging. Not to say you get to go back to your safe little world, your little bubble, but you go back, you get out there, to that world that is not so sympathetic and hospitable anymore. And you live your life. And you do it with conviction. You do it with the confidence of the risen Lord in your life and that you know that through all these things that are going on, the answer is not to take them away, but to see how the Lord is speaking through them and working through them and guiding you through them. we got work to do. It's time to put on our big boy pants and do it. It's like Peter today. He's awesome. We can all empathize with Peter, can't we? We can all identify with this guy. And they're on the water. And by the way, the boat is always a symbol of the church. And it's being tossed about. It's being slammed about. It's being blown around. It's being pushed and pulled and in modern day parlance it's being messed with and it's being persecuted and it, it is being manipulated or destroyed or whatever the, whatever the vagaries of, our, of, our, of, our, of the world upon the life of faith are for us, right? There he is, being tossed around, they're terrified. But they're in the boat. They're in the church. And then they see Jesus coming towards them. And they're terrified. They're even more afraid. See, this is what happens. This is, this is when Jesus starts walking toward us. We, we get afraid. We think, oh yeah, isn't that nice? Jesus is going gonna to be nice to them and make them feel better. No, they're afraid of him. Because whenever the Lord walks towards us, he wants something from us. When Jesus gets closer to you, he's going to change your life. He's going to expect things of you. And so we're more afraid of Jesus than we are of what's going on out there. If we really think about it, we're not going back to any bubble. We're not going back to any safe place. We're going out to a world that is hostile, is changeable, is unpredictable, is scary. And the Lord is saying, you got work to do. And i got a place for you out there. And I need you out there. Your life is going to change, amen. So he gets there and they're terrified and then it's like, it's the Lord. Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you. Come, he said, come. <laughs> you, don't need it in, I don't, you don't need to ask me for an invitation. It's always there, come, let's go, let's get busy. And, and, and Peter, and his, he gets out, and he's like walking on the water. But he's looking at Jesus, and that's what sustains him. That's what holds him up. That's what keeps him moving throughout this stormy, uh, unpredictable, dangerous time. It's keep your eyes on him. And the minute he stops, the minute he realizes, oh, look at this, look at this. that, You know, that, you know, you know. Virus, and, you know, we don't know what the governor's going to do. We don't know what city is next that, you know, Antifa or BLM is going to try to lay siege to. We don't know. Now, how did you guys feel when they were marching up and down Randall Road over in Geneva and over here? Didn't you get a little nervous? We don't know what's going on. Keep your eyes on him. The minute you start thinking about this and that, and you start thinking about your own safety and security and wanting to go back to the way things were, that's when we start to sink. That's when we're not effective. That's when we hide in the cave. But he, he says, come, he whispers, come. And we, and we keep our eyes on him. In the Gospel of John, uh, Peter, J- John talks about Peter, uh, knowing him very well because they were friends. And he says to him at the end end of the gospel, he talks about Peter this way, he says, when you were younger, you went about and did as you pleased. But when you were older, you're not going to tie your belt and someone else is going to come and take you to a place you do not want to go. When we are young, we like our safety, security. I call my mom and dad and say, please write me a doctor note so I don't have to go to school or go to work. When I'm young, I want to do what I want. And I don't want anybody messing with my security or making me feel uncomfortable or asking me to do things I don't think I'm capable of doing. I don't want Jesus telling me to change my life and do something different. I'm afraid when we are younger. But when we are older, and this is the voice of wisdom, old people are wise. Respect our older folks because they know a lot more than we do. And I'm getting to be one so I can say that, right? (laughs) The voice of wisdom says, look, this is the way the world works. You don't get to control what's going on out there. You don't get to decide this or that. You live your life with faith. And you come to the mouth of the cave in your conviction and saying, Lord, I know all these things are happening, but I love you and I want to follow you. And I will change my life if it means I have to change it in order to be your disciple. And I do that with confidence because it's you who's doing it. That's wisdom. So take me to the place I don't want to go and help me to be an effective disciple with confidence, with joy, knowing that you've got a plan and you're working it all out. That's ultimately the answer. All these things that we think are so unpredictable and so scary. The Lord's in it and he's working on his plan. We just have to get in there with him and let him do it. Stay in the boat. Stay in the church. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the Eucharist. No matter what happens, you're going to be okay. If not in this life, certainly in the next. My dad, uh, is a, he loves our family history, and he's done research, family tree, all the way back, hundreds of years, into, into Europe and Germany and Ireland. and. Uh, it's got it all written out in pictures and some fascinating stuff but he also he's written commentary uh, on it and one of the his chapters in that commentary is on St. Patrick because this is where my parents grew up and this is where I grew up this church and and then one of the comments was something he said to my mom one of the things he wrote was something he said to my mom the day of, of my first mass which was at the downtown church on May 22nd, 1994, said my first master. And he wrote, he wrote in this book his conversation with my mother. And, and this is what he wrote. As we got in the car that morning, I said to Pat, Pat is my mom, I said to Pat, isn't it amazing that all the most important things that happen to us in our life Always bring us to St. Patrick. Everything important brings us home. Everything important brings us here, to this place, to this church, to this boat, to this safe harbor. And that's a pretty good place to be. Amen? All right, let's stand and pray.